Today is August 2nd, 2022, and the voice of baseball has passed away. Ben Scully has died today at the age of 94. Welcome to a special edition of Life Around the Scenes. No cheesy introduction, no big voice announcer guy, no no song and dance, just straight to the podcast. I learned about his passing tonight in the seventh inning, broadcasting an isotopes game in El Paso. And as soon as I got off the air, I thought I need to call Ken Levine. And then my second thought was I should just record a podcast with Ken Levine so that everybody can listen to our conversation because I know it's going to be really good. Hello, my friend. How are you, Ken? Uh, I'm doing okay. It's, it's a sad day. It's good to talk to you, but it's quite a sad day. Ken and I did post-game Dodger talk for three years, 2008, 2009, 2010. And um, I mean, shoot, I grew up listening to Vin, but I'm from Northern California where I just heard him do all-star games and playoff games. You grew up in Southern California. You heard him every day. Talk to me about Vin Scully. You know, for me, looking back, no one besides my father had a greater impact on my life. The Dodgers came to L.A. in 1958, and I was eight years old, and, and I first heard him and was just entranced by him, by the Dodgers, by baseball, and it began a, a lifelong love of baseball, of storytelling. Uh, I became a writer, um, just everything as a result of Vince Scully, and Back in those days, radio was really quite the, quite the medium. And, uh, and the Dodgers played in the Coliseum, which was meant for football. You get 90,000 people sitting there watching a ball game, and maybe 45 of them had a good view. And so with the transistor radio really coming into vogue, people brought their radios to the game because, well, at first you couldn't see, you just didn't know what was going on. But then Vince Scully just entranced everybody and taught us all the game. And we all collectively as a city, um, I think fell in love with Vince Scully. And back in those days, the Dodgers only televised games from San Francisco. So like, depending upon the year and the schedule, like 11 or 14 games a year would be from San Francisco. And other than that, it was just radio. And in those days, it was Vince Scully and Jerry Doggett. And Vince Scully would do seven innings a night and Jerry would do two. And so for like my entire life, it was Vin Scully on the radio every night. And uh, I can recall as a kid, uh, and so many kids used to do this as well, you know, we would go to sleep with a transistor radio, <laughs> you know, uh, at our ear, and we would like cover our heads with the pillows so our mothers wouldn't hear. And, uh, and we would listen to Dodger games late into the night. Yeah, that's the kind of impact that, that he had. I don't think anybody in the history of the city of Los Angeles uh, was as beloved, did more for the city than Vince Scully. 
glad you brought up the transistor radio right away because I remember at some point early in my life, my dad would have a transistor radio or maybe he'd have like earphones so that we could listen to Bill King or Lon Simmons or whatever. And I've heard stories about this, about, and I hope that you can elaborate on whether it was Dodger Stadium or the LA Coliseum where you would hear Vin's voice just kind of echoing around the ballpark because so many people had their transistor radio. Oh, not just not just the spectators, but the ball players could hear it as well. And I remember one time Don Sutton telling me the story that he was on the mound and it was like the seventh inning and he was facing Wilbur Stargell and he hears Scully say, well, you know, Don's tank is pretty much running on empty and Stargell is hitting 400 against this guy and everything. And, you know, and he's standing on the mound going, come on, give me a break. <laughs> but yeah, uh, not only at the ballpark where it was almost as if he was on the PA system, but you would go to a Southern California beach on a Sunday afternoon. And it's almost as if, like I said, it was on a public address system because you could walk along the length of Santa Monica or Malibu Beach or Venice or whatever and not miss a pitch because everybody had a transistor radio and everybody was listening to the Dodger game. You worked at Dodger Stadium much more than I did, but I, but I know that in my years, whenever I would bring someone into Vin's booth to meet them, it was amazing to me, just no matter how young, how old, what gender, what race, just how people would kind of lose their minds um, getting to meet Vin. Give me some of your more vivid memories of having the, the honor to introduce people to Vin. I've seen people, I've introduced people who were stalwarts in the industry meet Vin Scully and walk out of the booth and cry. <laughs> that, that they were just so emotional having met Vin Scully. And um, one of my memories about Vin, when we were doing Dodger Talk, we were in um, spring training in Arizona. And there was one weekend where I was calling the game with him. And we both flew back to Los Angeles that night. And we were both on the same flight. And Vinny was tired. I mean, he was probably, you know, a spry 85-year-old then. <laughs> and uh, we, we arrive in LA. It's Sunday night about 10 o'clock. And once you walk past the restricted area to where people are meeting arriving past, there was about 25, 30 people out there. And when we walked into that section, everybody, you could just tell, I mean, their, their eyes were like saucers. Oh my God, there's Vin Scully. And they all wanted his autograph and they all wanted to take pictures with him. And he was dead tired. It would have been so justified for him to go, folks, really, I, I just can't. He stood there for like another 15, 20 minutes, signing every autograph and taking every picture. 
That was then. You mentioned spring training, and I think the year was 2009 because I remember that we were in Arizona, so it couldn't have been Vero Beach. I think it was 2009. And Vin had fallen or something like that, and he'd gone to the hospital and he was okay. But I remember once news broke, it was almost like it's almost like we were practicing for, for today. You know, it was almost like a dry run because people, I remember feeling it myself like, oh no, like if he had died today, how would we have done this? How would we have done this broadcast? How, how would Los Angeles have reacted? And it was, um, and I remember it was the first time that it was like, oh my goodness, how scared people were about a world in which Finn Scully was not just not alive, but not broadcasting Dodgers baseball. Yeah, I, I know. And, um, you know, uh, he had been in ill health for the last several weeks. And, you know, there was some talk that this was inevitable. And there was big concern about the All-Star game a couple of weeks ago from when we recorded this a couple of weeks ago in Los Angeles, like, Oh my God, what happens if Vince Scully dies the day of the all-star game? And, um, and I think Fox had put together like a whole package and there was all kinds of contingencies, but it will be interesting to see the, the reaction in LA when Chick Hearn, who was the famed voice of the Lakers, died, uh, his funeral was carried live by every local TV station. And uh, with all due respect to Chick Hearn, he was nothing compared to Vin Scully. I, I think for Los Angeles, this is like when Kennedy died. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's nobody in, in LA who has had that kind of impact. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, at the moment I'm not in Los Angeles, but I just have a feeling that, um, that people are gonna be walking around in mourning, in shock for, for days. I remember one of the first times that I was at the Dodger Stadium press box and for all of their, either the writers or the broadcasters who are in Cooperstown, you know, they have a picture and they have the year and I saw the, you know, Vins and it's in 1982 and, and it didn't immediately dawn on me. And then one day I remember just thinking, wait a minute, 1982 is when he got put in the hall of fame, which meant he had been broadcasting. He started in 1950 for the Brooklyn Dodgers. So he had been broadcasting 33 years when he went into the hall of fame. And then he broadcasted 34 more years before he retired. He had two Hall of Fame careers. He had two, Ken. He went another 34 years after he was given the greatest honor you can have as a baseball broadcaster. The other thing for those of us growing up with Vin Scully, God, really what this means is the end of our youth. You know, Vince Scully was the voice of baseball. And I recall like every spring tuning in and hearing the first Dodger spring training game from Vero Beach. And just hearing that voice, you knew, okay, all is right with the world. You know, Vince Scully is, is back. 
And uh, remember there was one year his, his first wife uh, passed away and uh, it was obviously very tragic and, and sad. And I just kind of wondered that first spring training game, is he going to be back? Um, and he was, and there was just such a sense of relief to, to hear him. And the thing about Vince Scully on the air, as you well know, is every game, every game, he was enthusiastic. You know, it didn't matter. They could be losing 11 to 1. In fact, I usually preferred those games because he would start telling stories. Uh, but uh, he was, he was, such a trooper and uh i mean it was just such a he's such a role model for me uh, and and there were times when i would like be calling games and it would be like the 14th inning and i would be kind of dog tired and i would just think to myself what would vince scully be doing here you know he wouldn't be dragging <laughs> he wouldn't be dragging you know get your second or third win <laughs> I, I said the exact same thing to myself tonight before, before I learned that he had passed. Um, you know, the isotopes fell behind big early in tonight's game, as we have done a lot this year. And I remember at one point I got up between innings and I was like, gosh, you know, these are the hardest games, you know, when your team is behind big and you're just trying to like think of something fun and creative and, um, you know, to distract the audience from what the score is. It's like, but, why should they be listening otherwise? Yeah. You know, and you go through the usual, hey, you know, this is the Pacific Coast League and no lead is safe in this game. And sure enough, of course, the isotopes brought the tying run of the plate before the game, before the game ended. <laughs> um, but but, I, but I, I, I'm not even exaggerating when I said, okay, you can do this. Vin did this. Like, th this, is, this is the mark of a really good broadcaster is someone who stays energetic and finds a way to make this broadcast entertaining, even if the game is not entertaining. And, um, you know, and then later in the broadcast, I find out that Vin died. And then I thought, okay, I'm just going to do the most minimal amount of play-by-play -play that I can do. Because you can't just totally tell Vin stories. You have to weave it in and out. So it was like, okay, pitcher, batter, ball strike. But, and so I just told Vin stories for the, for the last three innings. You mm -hmm. know, And one of the things that I said was that, if you haven't stolen something from Vin Scully, then you're not very good. And you've probably stolen something from Vin, even if you don't know it, because we've all stolen so many things from Vin that I might think that I was stealing it from you, Ken, or from Ken Korak or from Bill King, but one of us probably stole it from, from Vin Scully. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I stole from Vin Scully right off the top is Vin had this great ability to just talk one-to-one -one with the listener as if he was really talking to you. And of course, that's also an advantage of not having a analyst that you're in a conversation with. And I know you calling these games by yourself have this. So you really develop a rapport with the listener. And I took that from Vince Scully and um, 
And I also took a sense of humanity that, that Vin Scully had. Um, I'll tell, I'm gonna tell a story uh, with apologies to John Miller, uh, who is a absolute great broadcaster. But uh, you could go back, and this was a number of years ago, and uh, if you signed up for the MLB package, you could go back and listen to archives of games. So there was a game, the final game of the season, and it was the Dodgers and Giants, and it was a key game for the division lead, something, and, um, and the Dodgers had a big inning and won. Steve Finley hit a grand slam home run and blah, blah, blah. And I listened, I thought, oh, this is fun because I'm going to listen to John's inning and I'm going to listen to Vin's inning and compare. And I first listened to John's inning. And of course, John is that great voice and, you know, great sense of drama and everything. And there was a play where there was a rookie shortstop who booted a ball. Cody Ransom. Cody Ransom. Okay. Well, John was all over this guy. <laughs> it's like, well, you got to make that play and you're, you're in the big leagues and it's an important game and you, you got to make that play. And, and I listened to the same inning with Vin and Vin goes, your heart has to go out to this kid. I mean, he's just called up. He's probably not played in a game this big. There's five levels, uh, 50,000 people. He makes this error and your heart just has to go out to him. And I thought, man, that's, that's the difference. That Scully's first impulse was just the humanity of reaching out to, to that kid. And that kid is on the opposing team. Mm -hmm. it, it's so easy as the home broadcaster, you know, to use these phrases like the Dodgers get a gift or this rookie's mistake, you know, to kind of play up that the, the hated rival made a mistake, but he's showing right. humanity to the visiting team's rookie shortstop. Right. Right. And that's, that's just who he was. That, that's exactly who he was. I remember, I just remembered this time when the team's in San Francisco and I get on the bus to go to the ballpark and Vin's already on the bus. And Vin tells me this story. And I always wanted to just leave Vin alone, right? I don't want to be just the obnoxious guy who, who's peppering him with questions. Like if, if Vin wants to be quiet, Vin can be quiet. Um, but Vin was in a chatty mood that day and I'm not going to do this story justice, but I, but Vin told me the story that day and Vin was so good that I, he told the story in a way that made me feel like I was the first person that he ever told the story to. And I later heard him tell it to like, you know, hundreds of other people over the years, <laughs> but he told me about how the New York giants were playing in the world series and he walked by and he saw the score and he saw that the giants were getting beat badly in this game. And he felt so sorry for them that he decided that he was going to become um, a New York giants fan. And he told me about collecting um, soda pop bottles and you would get a nickel for each one and tickets to the bleachers were only 55 cents back then. So if you got 11 bottles, 
you could get 55 cents and you could buy a ticket to go to the polo grounds and how he was left-handed and Mel Ott was left-handed. And so he'd go sit in right fields so that he could be there when Mel Ott hit home runs and just mesmerizing story. Right. And, and I just, I don't want to interrupt him, but I want him to keep going. So I'm just trying to ask just like the shortest questions possible to keep him going. <laughs> and afterwards, I remember just thinking Mel Ott, Vin Scully's favorite player was Mel Ott, and he's still alive now. Vin is broadcasting. Like, I'm blowing my mind about the polo grounds and all this. And so from that day on, I was like, okay, I need to make sure I get on the bus right around the time that Vin Scully does so I can hear more stories from Vin. There was a YouTube video that was posted a couple of years ago. Somebody took like home movie of like Yankee Red Sox batting practice in like 1930, okay? And so, you know, you're seeing Garrick and you're seeing Ruth and they're clowning around and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. So I, I sent the link to Vin, said, you probably get a kick out of this. And he writes back and he goes, oh my God, I was three. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same feeling. It's like, oh my God, you were alive as Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and everything. Yeah, said, I was three. You know, he would tell, it was so great because he had such a, an incredible memory. A play would happen and he would go, well, this reminds me of a game at County Stadium in Milwaukee in 1954 and Don Demeter hit the ball and Joe Adcock did this I did that and he's thrown out all these names and you know and I went into him the next day and I said it was really impressive I said how do you remember that and he goes I don't know he said I couldn't just recall it but I'll see a play and it will trigger a memory and, you know, and, and I'll have it. And I said, you know, that's very impressive. Of course, how do we know you're right? <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how do we know <laughs> that was Don Demeter and all like that? And he laughed and he goes, you don't. <laughs> and I said, but it's not the point. The point is hearing the name Don Demeter and Joe Adcock and, and all those people. And you're probably right for most of them. <laughs> I, but I, I think that the lesson in that story is that you say it with such conviction and such eloquence and such confidence that the story must be true. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, we were talking about radio earlier and the transistor radio. And, and what I think is one of the great parts about Vin though, is his transition to television. And I think he set the bar for television in terms of this is how you lay out. This is how, this is how you're quiet. And he did work with analysts, you know, mostly from what I recall, Joe Garagiola. Um, and, and he could do that. And, and I think that it just speaks to his longevity that he went from radio to a radio TV simulcast to TV and the way that he mastered the, the television medium. Yeah, um, you know, he would do TV a little bit in LA. It's, it, it's funny, um, 
when the baseball network began, the very first day they had the video of the 1956 Don Larson perfect game. And it was Mel Allen and Vince Scully calling the game. Vince Scully called the last four and a half innings. And uh, there was a commercial in Mel's inning for some book that you could get, some baseball book if you bought Gillette Blue Blades or something. And uh, so they, they cut to Mel in the booth and he's holding up the book and he's just very casual and he's talking about this and how great it is and blah, 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 blah. Okay, they do the same commercial later with Scully and he's holding the book up in front of his face. He's basically <laughs> blocking his face. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're, you're 25 years old. You're not used to television. Uh, <laughs> you know. And, you know, I, I talked to him after that game and I said, um, as I called him up and, and I said, did you watch it? I said, you know, you were so sparse in terms of your commentary. Um, I said, were you told to do that? And he goes, absolutely. I said, there was a point where, where Alston goes out to the mound, the manager of the Dodgers at the time, Walter Alston, goes out to the mound to have a meeting on the mound. And all you say is Alston goes out to the mound. I said, I wanted to know what he was saying. I know you knew what he was saying. Yeah. And knowing you, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say. He said, that was absolutely, that was the, the edict that we had to just do the absolute bare minimum. And he said, and as a result of that, because uh, I said, did you watch the game yesterday? And he said, I'll be honest with you. I watched about an inning of me. And then I just turned it off and went to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like he recognized himself how like, oh, my God, I, <laughs> you know, I could be better. Um, my favorite Vince Scully TV moment. It's actually not just a moment. Um, one night they were playing up in Candlestick Park. So the game was on TV. It was a Friday night. And thick fog rolled in. Like about the third or fourth inning. Which caused a delay in the game. And Vin just kept it and talked for like 45 minutes telling Dodger giant stories down through the years. And it was absolutely mesmerizing. And all you saw on the screen was gray, was gray fog. And yet you were riveted you were riveted to that screen. 
And this was not something that he prepared in any way. This was just all off the top of his head. Um, he was just uh, amazing that way. He invented the podcast that night. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was a live podcast that he did with probably no notes and no preparation. And yeah, he, he invented the podcast that night. Talk about a stretch. I mean, you know, in the, in the past, it was, you know, when you and I were doing it, it was, um, okay, so Josh, can run over to Dodger Talk. We need you to fill in during this rain delay. No, Finn did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there is a tape, and I've actually posted this on my podcast from 1959 when there was a big argument. It's a Dodger-Giant game, and there was a big argument over a ball that Mays hit down the left field line in the Coliseum. Was it fair? Was it foul? Uh, there was a lot of guidelines and there was the Chinese screen. And it, it was like about a, a 15 minute argument. And Scully describes this and it's just amazing. You would think, okay, well, this is scripted. <laughs> this is scripted because it's so descriptive and so detailed and so clear. If you were driving, I guarantee you, you got home, you sat in your car in the driveway and listened to the end of this brouhaha. Yeah. And it just, that's what happened that particular night, some night in June in 1959, a brouhaha and Vince Scully is absolutely masterful. And we had that for 67 years. Wow. I sure did. <clears throat> All right, Ken, my friend, I wish we were talking under different circumstances, but it's always makes me smile when I see you and get to talk with you. And uh, this was fun. Likewise. It was great being your partner for uh, three years doing Dodger Talk. And Vince Scully introduced us. Yes, he did. You know? Yes, he you did. Know? You'd have the pre-recorded. I still have that. Do you? Send it to me. <laughs> I still have that. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you hear Vin and say, and now for post-game Dodger talk, here's Ken Levine and Josh Sushan. That's pretty amazing when Vin Scully. Yeah, man. That's like having, you know, a Hirschfeld drawing of yourself or something. <laughs> yep. Those were some um, amazing years that I will always cherish. And uh, glad I got to spend those years with you. Likewise. That's Ken Levine, and this was a special edition of Life Around the Seams.